I'm going to uh, tell you a story uh, about a company you all know very well, or know of very well, Apple. And let me take you back to 1982. I was at that time uh, counselor to the Secretary of Commerce in the Reagan administration. I had been given that job largely because I had spent a lot of time in Japan uh, and in, in that, at that period, as you all uh, are aware, uh, U.S. And, and Japan were having what we called trade friction. Um, and um, so I was sitting in my office at the Commerce Department uh, and my assistant rushed in, very excited, and she said, Clyde, Clyde, she said, Steve Jobs is on the line for you. And I said, nah, come on. No, no, it's really Steve Jobs. So I took the call, and by golly, it was Steve Jobs. Uh, and he was having problems, he said, in selling his latest computer. I forget what it was. It was uh, the uh, Apple III, I think that was it. Uh, he was having trouble getting that into Japan and wondered what the Commerce Department could do to help. So I put together a group of people from the Commerce Department. We traveled out to uh, California, sat down with Steve and his people, and we put together a, a strategy, a plan to get the computer into the Japanese market. And we did. Uh, now, mind you, they didn't, Apple didn't get 50% of the market, but they got into the market, they began selling computers. I got to know Apple myself through this uh, action. And I also got to know much more about the semiconductor industry because I then got involved deeply in negotiations between the US and Japan on uh, the problem of semiconductor trade. So, what I want to point, make a point of here is that everything, everything that Apple sells uh, originated somewhere in the U.S. government. Uh, the, the, all, all of the technology that Apple has, uh, has utilized came out of the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency or the Defense Department or it came from the National uh, Institute of Science, but uh, it was not invented by Apple. Uh, that's not to take away any, uh, any, I don't want to take anything away from Apple in terms of their ability to commercialize those things and their ability to attract customers, but Apple didn't invent this stuff. Uh, now, Let's fast forward to uh, 2000. Uh, uh, so between 1982 and uh, 1998, Apple produced its products uh, largely in California. It used American labor. Uh, in fact, Steve even uh, took pride in setting up the latest uh, kind of manufacturing uh, facilities in California. But in 1998, he hired a, a new person, a guy named uh, 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 Cook. Uh, and, and Tim Cook uh, had been working for another computer company in Texas. 
uh, and he came to Cupertino, met with Steve, and he was, he was shocked. He said, Steve, what in the name of creation? You're making all of this stuff here in California, in the United States, with American labor rates and, and, and unions? Come on, come on, we, we, have, to be, uh, we have to be modern. Uh, and so Tim led the charge to move production to China. Now, in moving production to China, he was assisted by a Taiwanese company, interestingly, called Foxconn. Uh, and Foxconn is, specializes in uh, helping American or other foreign companies organize their manufacturing capacity in China, on mainland China. Uh, so despite the tension between Taiwan and, and mainland China, Foxconn, nevertheless, uh, is a key agent, Taiwanese company, in moving a lot of foreign production to China. Uh, and, of course, the argument was, uh, hey, in China, we, you know, we pay Chinese wages, which at the time were extremely low. Uh, we don't have any labor unions. Uh, we don't have any uh, uh, restrictive uh, environmental uh, regulations. Uh, and the land's going to be free. The Chinese government's going to give us the land. Uh, utilities will be at half price for 15 years. No taxes for 20 years. Uh, you know, how can you how can you not say yes? And so Apple moved all of its production to China. Uh, okay, now let's go forward to uh, 2015, the year 2015. Uh, there was a shooting in Bakersfield, California person was killed, the shooter happened to drop his iPhone, or her iPhone. Um, the FBI got the iPhone and wanted to open it in order to obviously find data to track down the shooter. They went to Apple and asked Apple to help uh, open the iPhone, and Apple refused. Um, the FBI took Apple to court. But the court procession uh, procedure was quite long. In the meantime, the FBI found an outside expert who could open the iPhone, uh, and so did. And so the court <clears throat> procedure was essentially abandoned. But, but the key point here is that Apple was not willing to assist the US government in finding the killer uh, in order to protect the uh, secrecy of the iPhone and, and of users of the iPhone. Okay, now let's fast forward to uh, 2018, 2019, and let me take you to Hong Kong. Uh, and students are demonstrating in Hong Kong uh, against the uh, increasing uh, incursion and oppression coming from the shift of of governance in Hong Kong from Hong Kong people to, to Beijing. Uh, and there's an app on the Apple iPhone called Hong Kong Live, Hong Kong Map Live. So you could, if you had the app, you could look at Hong Kong in real time. And, and the kids were using the app and they were looking where are the police? And they said, oh, the police are over here. Good, we'll demonstrate over here. Uh, and so they were avoiding the police and their demonstrations. This was driving Beijing crazy. Uh, the People's Daily unleashed a barrage of articles and, and editorials against the Hong Kong 
situation against Apple. Uh, the word got to Apple that you better get that app out of the App Store. Within two days, it was out of the App Store. Now, when Tim Cook testifies before the US Congress, he calls himself an American executive. He calls himself an American CEO. I'm sorry, Tim is not an American CEO. He's the CEO of an international company. It happens to be chartered in America, in the United States. But he is much more responsive. I say Tim, but this is true of many, many global executives. Uh, much more responsive to the concerns of, of Beijing, to the concerns of the leadership of, the, of China and the Chinese Communist Party than to the concerns of the US government, of the US Congress, the US people. When they testify before the US Congress, they call themselves American businessmen. But they are not. Uh, and in fact, in much of the lobbying that goes on in Washington, particularly in these trade issues between the US and China, they are representing the Chinese side. The US-China Business Council, an organization of largely American businesses, major American businesses who have uh, a lot of business in China. It's a lobby organization. It's effectively a lobby organization for, uh, for China. Uh, and so I have been proposing that uh, the United States should adopt a policy, perhaps legislation, to require that leaders and corporations like this, when they testify, they need to certify that they are representatives of, uh, of foreign uh, interests. We have a foreign agent uh, act, actually. So if, if you're a lobbyist in Washington, if you're representing a foreign company and you testify before Congress, you have to state that you are a lobbyist for a foreign company. Tim Cook never states that when he goes before Congress. He calls himself an American CEO. I want to change that. I want him to have to say that he represents foreign interests uh, and not necessarily those of the United States. Um, I, this is just a very small part, of course, of the overall picture, but it's a part of the picture that is, is typically and largely ignored because people in America and in the world think they don't understand the uh, significance of, of the word corporation. Uh, but think about this for just a moment. You cannot claim that you're a corporation. Why not? Well, because in order to be a corporation, you have to be certified by a state. Um, in some countries, it's the national government. In the United States, it's the state government. And in the US, the state of Florida may, may issue incorporation uh, if you apply. Typically, in, in the United States, Delaware is the state with the easiest uh, registration requirements, and so it tends to be the state where most corporations are incorporated. But the point is, you have to be incorporated, and the incorporation comes from the government. Why is that? And the answer is because the state, in, in allowing you to become a corporation, the state gives you a great big gift, limited liability. If your corporation goes bust, 
They can't take away your house. The shareholders who lost money can't take your car or your house. They can't, they, they, they may get some restitution, but they can't put you in jail. It's a huge gift. Uh, and it's given by the state. Why does the state do this? The state does this because it expects the corporation to do something good for the state, for the country. Uh, and so it's important as we look at the question of international trade, the question of competition between uh, the US and China, it's important to ask ourselves the question, are our companies actually doing something good for the people? And if they're not, then why do we have, why do we incorporate them? Uh, and we at least should insist if they are incorporated and if they are representing themselves as American companies, we should insist that they actually do something good for the American people. Thank you.